listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Dawning by 13 Starbuck 42 on AO3. Her eyes glaze over. She hasn't heard a word since Girl from Ipanema. It unmoors her, makes her feel untethered. She's shaken out of her reverie by a chair scraping across the floor and Amanda asking her a question, but she's scattered. Mutters some version of I'm fine and waves her off, absentmindedly packing up her things. Needs to get out of there. Needs space. Needs room to breathe. Tosses her phone into her bag, searching frantically for her keys until she realizes they've been in her hand all along. She blinks, and she's parked in front of her apartment complex with no idea how she got there. Doesn't remember getting in her car or the route she took. Doesn't even remember leaving the precinct. All she knows is that the SVU is suddenly too small, too dark. There's not enough air, not enough air and she pulls so hard on the door handle that her hand snaps back. She keeps pulling, 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 but the door is stuck, and she's trapped, and she just wants out. Olivia forces herself to stop, holds her hands up as if to say enough, draws air into her burning lungs, squeezes her eyes shut. After a moment, when she opens them, she catches sight of the little orange light and pushes the button to release the lock. She lets herself out of the vehicle and leans against the closed door, breathless as she clings to a single thread of reality. Noah is waiting upstairs, and she won't let him see her like this. She makes it as far as the lobby before she feels unsteady, lightheaded, like she might pass out and bides her time on a bench until her legs feel sturdy enough to carry her forward, steadying herself with a hand on the wall as she walks slowly to the elevator. Another small space, but she shakes her head, wills herself to relax. Maybe if she can play the part long enough, she'll start to believe it. The evening is quiet, passing quickly with the simple mundaneity she so desperately craves. Breakfast for dinner and a dish of ice cream after Noah finishes his homework. The next chapter in their latest book. An extra cuddle as she tucks him into bed. Still, she feels conflicted. Thankful, relieved that he didn't ask too many questions. Guilty, she deceived him because their relationship is rooted in truth. Noah is intuitive, empathetic, curious, and while she's never revealed the full depths of her trauma to him, that cross is hers to bear. She understands that children value honesty, especially when it comes to emotions and feelings. He whispers, love you, mom, as he drifts off to sleep, and his words settle in her chest, heavy and warm. Olivia hopes they will somehow shield her from the fallout of the daunting task that lies ahead, even though it is not his job to protect her. Noah calms her centers her. His love is unconditional, 
and she clings to that as she walks slowly into the hallway. Standing stock still after turning the corner, Olivia stares at the closet for several minutes. She knows what she'll find, but runs through the catalog of items in her mind. Decorations, linens, photos, books, and toys Noah has outgrown. A box filled with the long-forgotten remnants of her past. A wave of self-loathing takes over, and she turns abruptly away, looking for a distraction, literally anything else but this. She does the dishes, folds the laundry, changes into her pajamas, telling herself the soft cotton knit will provide some sort of comfort, pours a glass of wine, and turns on the TV. But nothing holds her attention. At last, she opens the door, fumbling around in the dark until the string falls between her fingers, and she tugs gently, bathing the small space in soft light. Olivia sighs quietly as her eyes find the box, unlabeled, set on the top shelf between a down comforter and some ancient Christmas decorations. Placing her wine glass on a lower shelf, she reaches up to pull on the edges of the box, ignoring the duvet that comes tumbling down with it. The box is heavier than she remembered, and she tries to distract herself with the other memories it contains, knowing that, at the very least, they're less bleak than the ones she's currently reliving. On the bench in the hallway, she sits and leans back against the wall, exhales shakily, forcing herself to breathe in and out, in and out, in and out, but it's shallow, empty. She sips her wine, as if it will somehow provide the resolve to get her through this, and when it occurs to her that it won't, that nothing will, she laughs bitterly, almost unhinged. The damn thing isn't even open, but it's too much. She's not ready. Not ready to see it, to know what it means. Olivia abandons the box, rushing out of the hallway to stand over the kitchen sink, arms braced on the countertop, chest heaving. Nauseous. Tears burn at the whites of her eyes until she gives in and lets them spill over leaving behind the evidence of her anguish as they trail down her face. The heavy weight in the pit of her stomach threatens to force its way up past her lungs, out of her mouth. She drowns in the depths of it, cracks under the pressure, choking on tears and bile until she's sputtering and has to open a window for air, for relief, for the illusion of escape. When her vision finally clears and she can stand up straight, Olivia rinses her mouth and returns to the hallway, carried there by devastating guilt, acrid resentment, fiery rage. She tosses the lid aside, onto the floor with a duvet, and pushes her hair back from her face when she sees the rows of cassettes, right there on top, right in plain view. Rifling through them, she finds a few old favorites, Flashdance, Fleetwood Mac, but she can't make herself smile, not even at the happiest of memories. And then, there it is. The one she hoped she wouldn't find. A white cassette with yellowed tape, dirty from being handled, blue ink in familiar handwriting. A flush creeps up her chest, wraps hot around her neck as she reads the inscription on the front. To the girl who's tall and tan and young and lovely, love Burton. She stares at it in disbelief, 
like she fully didn't expect to find it, even though she absolutely knew it would be there. Again, her eyes fill with tears. She fights them, fights hard, because she still can't bring herself to believe it, despite the simultaneous guilt and acceptance gnawing at her heart. Frantic, Olivia digs out a cassette player from the bottom shelf of the closet. Maybe it's the wrong tape, a different song. Maybe she isn't remembering any of it correctly at all. She's so desperate to prove herself wrong. She fumbles with the cord and the tape and the buttons, but when it finally plays, it knocks the wind out of her. Turning away, she holds her head in her hand and closes her eyes until the song is finished. But her fingers are on autopilot, pressing the rewind button, pressing play. She listens to it over and over, again and again, until she's finally had enough, pulling the cord from the wall with the force that belies her exhaustion, and the apartment is suddenly blanketed in an eerie, quiet stillness. Surrounded by the ghosts of her past, Olivia sobs silently. She weeps at the loss of what she thought was real and true, at the acceptance that she is a victim all over again. But now, at the hands of a man she once loved, thought she loved, thought he loved her, and it shatters her heart all over again, because she knows now that he's tainted every relationship she's ever had. It dawns on her then that maybe her mother really was trying to protect her. But if her mother could see it, how could she have missed it? How could she have been so blind? Did picnics in Central Park and mixed tapes really cloud her judgment that much? She begins to second-guess every decision she's made, every meaningful relationship she's had. Was she the first? How many came after her? How could she allow this to happen? If she'd only have recognized it, how many other victims could she have spared? Olivia feels fractured, angry, guilty for failing to protect not just herself, but these other women. But she was only 16. Only 16, and living in a broken home. She was vulnerable, more than she realized, more than she cared to admit. And he took advantage of that, took advantage of her. She doesn't sleep, or maybe she does. Maybe she drifts off right there in the hallway, but it doesn't feel like she slept by the time her alarm goes off. She gingerly gets up from her place on the floor, moving only as quickly as her stiff, sore body will allow, and packs up the box, putting everything away in the closet. Olivia takes a cold shower, brushes her teeth, dresses for the day, fools herself into normalcy for the sake of her son, her squad, her own damn self, because she just needs to keep going. Olivia knows she has to confront him, knows it will crack her in half all over again, but the weight of it presses into her chest so heavily she realizes she doesn't have a choice, because she needs to be able to breathe again. Her tears have dried, for now. There will be more later, she knows. Her muscles, her bones, her heart all ache with anger with realization and acceptance and grief, with the knowledge that this journey is far from over. But she's ready to fight back now, and she will do so with conviction and grace, because that's the only way she knows how.
If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.